So tell me, do you guys ever talk to God? Sometimes we call that praying. Yep, it's called praying. That's right, it is called praying. Sometimes in families, people have a special time of the day where they pray, like maybe before dinner or before bed. Do any of you have a special time in your family when you pray? Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to pray early in the morning. Yeah, you have a special time too, and you? Yeah? Your family, so of course. So there's a lot of ways to talk to God. Sometimes when I talk to God, I talk to him about people that I love that maybe need something. And so today we're going to do that together. I'm going to teach you a really easy way to pray and talk to God about people. So you're going to think of somebody that you know, that you care about, that you want God to help today. Maybe give them some joy or give them some help with a problem. And when you've thought of someone, I want you to put your thumb right here so I'll know that you thought of somebody, okay? And then I'm going to start us off, we're going to practice this, I'm going to start us off praying. And then when I stop talking, everybody can say the names of the person that they thought about. And it's a way of saying, God help that person. Okay, so... Think of a person that you care about and their name, and then put your thumb here when you got somebody in mind. Okay, a few of you, you got somebody? Yeah, you guys got somebody? Okay, think of somebody, think of their name. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, we know that you already know these special people. We ask you to help them today. Now you can just say their name. We'll say them all at once. Chris. Thank you, God, that you are going to help these people today and how much you love them. Amen. Okay, no Sunday school today, but you can go back and sit with your adults. That's really kind of my favorite time of church. Good morning. I'm Lori Niemeyer. I'm really glad to get to be with you all today. For the past several Sundays, we've been going through a series on the values of our church called Bedrock. So these are the values listed up here. Jesus at the center, growing up leadership, reaching out in Boulder and beyond with his love, a multi-generational congregation, but with a special emphasis on discipling youth, younger generations. And then today is the last one, prayer. So prayer is a long-standing value in our church, a lot of history with this. Uh, I had a fun time, a few weeks ago, there was a church clean-out giveaway, and I happened to walk through Erder Hall at the time when there were all these things they were getting rid of, and here was one of them. It was a little... Uh, frame with the bulletin from July 3rd, 1927. So in it, among the announcements is listed, there will be the usual prayer meeting at Miss Baker's house. <laughs> and I love that, like prayer is usual. And they had another prayer meeting that week, it was very usual, right? We have a long history with prayer. And it's not hard to figure out why prayer would be listed among our values. 
Christianity is just a big game of follow the leader. Did you ever play follow the leader when you were a kid? Yeah. So I, I got a chance to play with some kids' friends uh, the other day, and they were much better at it than me. But it's a simple game, right? And we have a leader, Jesus. Jesus prayed. If we want to follow the leader, we should pray. Really, we could just end the sermon right there, right? <laughs> That's why it is a value of ours. Uh, but we do have a scripture to look at, uh, one in which Jesus prayed. And so I'm going to hand this over to some friends of ours who agreed graciously to introduce the prayer with the passage with a skit. Lord, teach us to pray. Thanks, you all. <laughs> so Jesus has to go back to the sound booth, but <laughs> let's think together a minute about the disciples. Here's the full scripture. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Okay, here we have our disciples. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds. Turn to your neighbor and come up with some words or phrases that describe what's going on with the disciples in this moment. Ready, go. Okay, I wish that we had time or enough microphones that I could hear all your words. I think this would be really interesting. Uh, but I'm just gonna tell you some that I have heard from people or thought of myself. I think puzzled, curious, intrigued, and then we have initiative. We also might have seen a little earlier in the skit, reluctance, which is part of the equation, or hesitation. Sometimes, if we thought a little more deeply about this, we might come up with words like lack, longing, need, desire, perhaps vision. Okay, thanks you guys. There was, of course, a large group of people who followed Jesus and learned from him, including women like today. But think for a minute with me about the 12 disciples, the guys that Jesus was training up. They were Jews. The Jews had a long history of prayer, right? Going back all the way to Abraham, hundreds of years. David, Hannah, Daniel. They were very conscious of their history as a praying people. In Jesus' time, Jewish men were expected to pray twice daily. 
So most of those disciples had been praying regularly probably since their youth. And some of them had been John's disciples. John had taught his disciples to pray. Jesus spoke very highly of John the Baptist. So we know that whatever they got from John was really significant. Now don't you think, given all that history and practice and the learning from John, they might have thought, yeah, I know plenty about prayer. My prayer life is good enough. And yet, here in this moment, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Why? It says that the Lord had just finished praying when the request came. And I would guess it's one of multiple times, right, that they had observed him praying. We see these all through the Gospels. Something in the prayer must have drawn them. They saw something in the way he was interacting with God, probably also the effect of his prayer. I remember having this experience once watching a pastor. I was like, he was praying, uh, oh, there's, there's something there, and I don't really know what it is, but I know that I don't have it, and I think I want that. So, so something drew them in. Maybe even it was the bigger picture, like something in Jesus' life drew them in, and they knew that his life flowed out of the prayer. So they think, we want to learn how to pray. Isn't their situation in some ways similar to ours? We as a congregation have a long history of prayer. Not as long as theirs, admittedly going back to Abraham, but still substantial. We also, many people here have been practicing prayer, some of you for decades. And you may not have learned from John the Baptist, but we learn from people of deep faith, right? And wouldn't the natural thought be the same? Like, yeah, I kind of got this. I sort of know how this works. Good enough. But if the disciples could see something in Jesus that drew them into prayer, if they could see that they needed more and were going to ask, couldn't that maybe be the same for us? Mightn't our requests need to be the same? Lord, teach us to pray. This was a really important request for the disciples and could be really important for us. So I want to look closely at it. In fact, we're going to look word by word. So if you saw this short scripture and thought, whoopee, maybe we can get out of church early. Sorry, you're out of luck. <laughs> so we're going to start with the last word. Lord, teach us to pray. So what were the disciples watching as they look over here and see Jesus praying? Yes, their leader at prayer. But I think really what's going on, what they're watching is a relationship. That's what prayer is about, right? Is a relationship with God, that connection with God. Sometimes I hear people talk about the power of prayer. And honestly, I have to say that makes me a little nervous. I'm not convinced that there is any power in prayer, that there is power in prayer itself. The power is all in God and prayer is the connection to God, the power is in the connection. That's the whole point, is this connecting line between us and the Lord. Now, I don't know 
if the disciples really had that full picture, you know, when they made this request, they might have started where I started was, which was, Lord, teach me to pray so that I can receive answers. And answers to prayer are great, right? Like, I pray for physical healing for people. I pray for justice to the po- for the poor. And I've seen many of those things come about through the fervent prayers of God's people, usually together. But if answers were the whole thing, why wouldn't they come more readily? Like sometimes I think God deliberately holds back on the answer because what he wants is that relationship with us and he is drawing us closer, causing us to persist so that we can come in near him. Now, of course, the disciples had seen some of that relationship that, the, that Jesus had with the Lord, the wrestling, the, some of the struggle that came for him in prayer, the surrender, the joy, the depth, the intimacy. Perhaps you could have rephrased their request, Lord, we need to be closer to the Father. We need what you have with him. So teach us to pray so that we can get there. I think that's, that's the bigger picture about prayer. Okay. Lord, teach us to pray. There's some assumptions behind this word teach. The first is that we need to learn. Really, prayer is pretty simple, right? A three-year-old can do it. All of our kids here did it this morning. Right? My mom taught me my first bedtime prayer as a child. Even for adults, the most profound prayer is often the simplest. Help! And yet, there is so much more. So much further we can go. I mean, if prayer is about relationship with God, then exploring prayer is like entering into the vastness of God himself. Right? How could you ever run out of territory? So there's so much that we need to learn there. And we need it for our own sake, right? So that we can be changed. And we need it for our everyday problems. And we need it for the world's problems. So we need this. We need to learn. The second assumption behind this word teach is that prayer can be learned. Lots of people in the world would say, I don't know much about prayer but believe that spiritual things are so mysterious or so inaccessible that there would be no learning, right? There's no way we could learn that. But that's not what the disciples think. And evidently, it's not what Jesus thinks either because he goes on uh, straight away in this chapter to teach them, beginning with the Lord's Prayer, as Joe was saying. So prayer can be learned. And the third assumption here behind this word teach is that prayer can be learned person to person. Of course, they're asking not just any old person, they're asking Jesus. But they frame it as, like John taught his disciples. So, it's, we th- know that we have those important moments, solitary with the Lord. But what this would say is, You don't have to learn all about prayer there. Some of us, that's a hard place to get to. We can learn with other people and from other people. 
when I was 13, I was in Fishy here, the middle school program, and a Fishy leader taught me a simple model for how to pray. And I was grateful. But I don't remember learning anything else about how to pray until I was 23. Now that's kind of a long gap, right? In that 10 years, I did pray, and I often prayed in groups so I could watch other people pray, but there was no direct instruction about how to do it. And I knew I needed to be closer to God, but I, I just, I didn't know the way. I was kind of frustrated, and I became discouraged about prayer. And then, uh, when I was 23, I moved in with a gal who had a depth of prayer that I lacked. And I thought, oh, this, this is what I need. And I asked her, could we pray together? And we began praying together. And she and others came alongside to instruct me in how to pray. And it was like a whole new world opened. Like, like the windows were open, like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. So prayer can be taught and can be learned person to person. Okay, this is a small word, and maybe you thought I was going to skip this one. Lord, teach us to pray. But it's an important word. What if the disciples had asked, Lord, teach us about prayer? Isn't that a different request? Lord, teach us the principles of prayer. Show us the Bible passages about prayer. Now, principles and studying the Bible about prayer is very important. I don't, I don't want to downplay that. But if we don't actually pray, we've missed the point. Teach us to pray. We want to do it. So in, you know, these... Uh, worship services. I don't know if you know how much uh, planning goes into this, but the worship committee does a lot of work on this, and the things are timed out, and there's 25 minutes allotted for the sermon. So, I th in light of all of this, I thought about asking, could we just spend that 25 minutes praying? It, it was a little too radical for me, so I didn't do it. But, but that's the point, right? It's easier to spend our time talking about praying than it is doing it. But this is what the disciples asked for, and, and that's where the Lord led them. Teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. We learn best together. I'm not a golfer. Are some of you golfers? Raise your hands, you golfers. You can come instruct me on these things later. Even though I don't know anything about golf, it's pretty apparent to me that this is mostly an individual sport. Yet, research indicates that beginning golfers learn better in a group. Why? Wouldn't you think that it would be more effective to be one-on-one -on -one with an instructor and have your instructor's entire attention for the hour? Turns out that's not so. Beginning golfers are encouraged because they can see other people making the same mistakes as them and making some progress like them. By the time beginning golfers finish their class, they've made some friends that they can golf with, and so they're more likely to continue in the sport. It's no different with prayer. Very similar. We need an us. I tried uh, 
really hard not to make this whole sermon an advertisement for the prayer training that's starting in 10 days. <laughs> Carl calls that a sermon infomercial. So if you're watching online, Carl, today, I'm trying. But I had to say something, because for me, when I came into the prayer training, it became my us. It was a group of people where we could learn together. And learning together with people how to pray has so changed my life and my relationships with my friends as well. Partly seeing other people's joys was really encouraging, but honestly, seeing other people who were also frustrated helped me stay in the game. So it's been a really meaningful us for me. And, and us doesn't have to be a group. Not a big group anyway. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered praying, he's with us in a special way. Maybe you need a prayer partner. Maybe it's your common space group. Maybe it's something in your family. But I would just ask you, where is your us? Who are those people? I asked Kyle Rohan, who has been our middle school director and is currently our co-director of our new Young Adult Ministries, to share a story from his own life about learning to pray. So let's hear from Kyle. When I was a student here at CU, I was a middle school boys leader uh, for this church, and Lori Yearson was actually a part of that group as well. And uh, one night we were at the Scott County Anderson's, and we had a small group over there. Uh, it was a great night, the boys left, um, and Scott and Connie asked how I was doing. Uh, I told them I was doing all right. Kind of explain why, um, and they asked uh, pretty quickly, can you pray for Kyle? And I said, I, I would love that, um, thinking I'd just be on my way. And uh, they kind of said, No, but can you pray for you now? And I don't remember my facial expression at the time, but uh, I was still more caught up there, and I've never done that thing before. So I said, Yes. Uh, we sat down at their dining table, um, they prayed for me. And that was the first night that I really saw the beauty of being able to pray together with others and actually see the significance that can come from that. Um, and from here on out, uh, the next 10 years of ministry in my life uh, was changed because of that moment. And uh, I learned through prayer class, prayer training, uh, times of prayer with my wife, being able to pray out loud with other students, the real significance and importance of actually being able to pray alongside others and uh, take it right there in the moment and ask for something that they need prayer for and be able to actually uh, pray on the spot with them. So I've seen a really tremendous uh, gift and it's been a beauty to see the way other things come when pray together. It's not that complicated, right? Kyle learned something new in prayer from the Andersons. He put it into practice in his life and it's changing his relationships, and that integration between his relationship with God and his relationship with others is richer because of it. Okay, I saved the most important word for last. Lord, teach us to pray. There is no learning to pray without the Lord, right? Whatever we learn through other people, we're really learning from him. He's the master, he's the teacher, he knows what we need. He knows what we need to learn. He knows we need to learn to pray. Okay, so that leads me to a question. 
Why do the disciples have to initiate this conversation to say, Lord, teach us to pray? And why does it come so late in the game? We're already in chapter 11. This is almost halfway through the book of Luke. This is an important topic. Why hasn't Jesus brought this up earlier? And why doesn't he take the initiative with them? Could it be that some of those words we use to describe our disciple friends here, curiosity, interest, intrigue, initiative, could it be that those words describe a readiness that the disciples had at that moment? You know, sometimes our hearts have to be prepared to learn something. Otherwise, it just, you know, goes right by, right? Could it be that at that moment they were ready? So, was Jesus waiting for them? Waiting for them to be ready? And then waiting for them to ask? It's a little bit of a disturbing thought because if he was waiting for them, it makes me wonder, is he waiting for us? Is he waiting for you? Or for me? Is he waiting for our interest, our readiness, our eagerness to press in with him? When I started prepping this sermon, I was convicted about my own need to learn and so I started asking, Lord, teach me to pray. Pretty quickly, it fell out into three categories. Lord, teach me to pray for physical healing. Teach me to pray in stillness and quiet. Teach me to pray for my family. So I've been praying this for a couple of months. And I haven't had any breakthroughs yet, but something is softening in my heart. I think that's the beginning. What if we asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. If he's waiting for us, I hope he doesn't have to wait much longer because our church is in need. Our community is in even greater need. And concerted prayer changes churches, transforms churches, and transformed churches bring change for their communities. May it be so so that there's just as much to celebrate in the next 150 years as there is looking back. Let's pray. Lord God, you see us, each one of us. You see us, this gathered family here, and you know our need for deeper connection with you. Stir up our hunger. Stir up our eagerness and our longing and make us ready. And then teach us to pray. Amen.